Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories. Today's episode is sponsored by TK Horses. You can find out more information on them by searching TK Horses on Facebook or Instagram. We are super grateful to have them as a sponsor and we appreciate all of the previous sponsors that we have had. Um, like I've mentioned in the past couple intros, we are going to change up the way that we do sponsorships. This year, we are looking for people who want to sponsor the podcast year-round. So if you or somebody you know is interested in being a yearly sponsor, please send me an email and I can answer any questions you might have about that. My email is cowboystoriespodcast at gmail.com. And with that being said, let's dive right in. For this episode, I had the opportunity to sit down and visit with Clay Rogers. Clay and his wife, Danielle, and their four kids live on the Babbitt Ranch, where Clay is the cow boss. And if you listened to our previous episode with Jamie Howell, Clay is Jamie's son-in-law. He has a pretty cool story and shares some of the history of the Babbitt Ranch, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for yeah. letting me yeah, come and talk welcome. to you. I'm excited. Yeah. I usually just like to start off by having people introduce themselves and then have you tell us a little bit about this place. Okay. So I'm um, Clay Rogers, was born and raised on the Babbitts. Um, went to high school there in Flagstaff. Uh, get off the bus in the afternoons and help my dad put out feed. And then through the spring works I would um get out of school and be able to go through the wagon so pretty much from 85 to 2002 I lived right here who's your dad Jack Rogers okay yeah then moved to Texas and worked in feedlot for a little while decided they didn't like that so <laughs> <laughs> moved back to Arizona yeah why yeah. didn't you like the feedlot I felt confined that was every day it was the same pen, same set of cattle, and you just rode in circles all day long. And you, you never felt like you could get out and go see something different. It was the same thing the every same day. The same thing every day. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> yeah. So it, wasn't, it got old after a while. But it was a good experience. I learned a lot about feeding cattle and doctoring cattle. So. Are you glad you did that? I did, yeah. Yeah, I'm really glad I at least had a year of it, but that was more than enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh. Where did the Babbitt come from? Like, where did that name originally? Originally, the, it would have been the Babbitt family. 
And so there was five brothers from Cincinnati, Ohio, that decided to try to buy them a ranch. So they started in Ohio and just worked their way to Arizona, and they were headed basically to California is where they wanted to start. And they wound up just making it to Flagstaff and liked the country, so they started buying cattle. And then all of, they decided, well, we're buying the cattle, we better find somewhere to put them. So then they bought, bought, started buying up ranches. That's cool. Yeah. Five brothers, you Five said? brothers, yep. So they actually, at one time, owned ranches from New Mexico, from California. Wow. Yep. The old hash knife ranches around Holbrook. And then during the Great Depression, they had to start selling them off. And they wound up just being right, keeping the ones in flag. Mm. North flag, yeah. Yeah. So is it still in like I don't I don't know anything yes, about the history so of it. It's still in the still? family. Okay. Yep. It's a hundred and so eighteen eighty six to two thousand twenty two it's been in the same family. That's way cool. Yeah. And um there's about a hundred and thirty shareholders and they all have to be from the original Babbitts. So if he wasn't original pilot, you can't. <laughs> so they kind of try to keep it in the family yeah. and not let any outsiders wow. join in. So yeah, it's... And all of all five of the brothers, they all kept their share. They all stayed in it together. And they all stayed in it down. together. Yep. Wow. All five of them. Yep. Some of there was um, two of them, three of them died at a young age, and then the oldest was C.J. Babbitt, and he lived to. Uh, I think he was in his 80s when he died, but then it just passed on to their grandkids and their great grandkids. And so yeah. Do they like to come and help? No. Or, no. 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 <laughs> Most of them live in California, but they really like it. What they see and do, everybody does out here. They they like the the um, the history behind it all and the tradition. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I think that's rare to find. It is like very that. rare. Yeah. So there's there's men, the board members of the ranch. They there's five or six of them, and they're all family. And they they trade off every five or six years. And, hmm. Yeah. How involved are they? More involved in like the financial side of things, or you know. To be honest, see, my boss is Billy Cadasco, and he is would have been John Babbitt's grandson. And they pretty much tell him, you just run the ranch for us. Yeah, just let us know what you got going on. And <laughs> we're, we're happy with whatever you're doing. Well, that's kind of neat. Yeah. yeah. They're really in the family. How many head of cattle can you run around here? It seems like with that many yeah. shareholders, there'd have to be quite a we few. Got, um, we average about 4,500 cows. Yep. Through the drought, though, we've had to cut it in half. Really? Yep, we're down to around 25. So, but they have they have other things that they do. They um, We have a gravel pit that definitely helps produce some money and they do lots of conservation studies, and so that helps subsidize the ranch as well. Yeah. Do you think you'll 
be able to get back up to full numbers? Yeah, it'll take a little while. It was this is we were in a three year drought, so there was a lot of country that was um, hurt from the grass has died off, and so we're slowly trying to build the cow herd up and hope the grass takes off ahead of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully the rains come the soon. Rain, the rains keep coming, and yeah, yeah. But northern Arizona is pretty much. You're in a drought more than you're not. So how many cattle are you in charge of personally or like? 25, all of them. I'm in charge of the whole ranch, yep. Okay. And how many camps do you have scattered through the ranch? Um, We have two summer camps that we just use during the summertime. And then we have um, three full-time camps on the seal bar side. And then on the cataract side of the ranch, there's four camps. And we had to um, tear one down last summer just because of the mold and it just got too old. So yeah. we got three over there for now. Do you mind telling us a little bit about the wagon and how that works? Yeah. Um, we start the 1st of May. And we'll start moving cattle to the um, summer country that's up by the Grand Canyon. And then on our way back, we gather our bulls and scatter them. And then we start branding calves on the seal bar side. And it goes up until about the 1st of June. And then we move over to the cataract division. And it's about three weeks. So... Yeah, basically Gone two months. Okay. Yeah, two months. But we we try to make it easy on the cooks. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We camp out of main spots now. Spiderwebs, the main main area, and then we got a tubs camp that we'll camp there. Got a little house for the cook to live in and a bunkhouse, and then on the cataract, there's two places that we'll camp. So. Yeah. Right. So do you hire your cook? Just for that period of time? She or actually, who is your um, cook? so Ed Ashurst um, worked here in the 70s and 80s, and he married um, Bill Howe's sister. And then, so it'd be his granddaughter is now cooking for us, Ed's granddaughter, Leanne. Okay. So she lives in a little house down at the barn. And when we're the wagon's going, she cooks, and <laughs> when it's not, she does leather work, or oh, cool. she helps us halt the brake colds, and yeah, nice. it's kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. So how did your, how did your dad and your family end up here, end up? Um, so my dad, I think, he's originally from Texas, and then they came out here, and, uh, I want to say the very first time in the 60s, and he worked for Babbitt's, for Bill Howe, Wrangling Horses. Then they left. He, he moved all over. My granddad lived everywhere. And then when they finally came back the last time, it would have been 1980 from Texas. My granddad and my dad both worked here. Granddad died over at the well camp. Yeah. And then dad, he's been here for 37 38 years almost yeah takes care of the waters now 
He's kind of old and crippled, but that's cool. Still likes to <laughs> live here. So good for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's neat that there's history, like in the Babbitt name itself. But it sounds like there's history between everyone who works here too. There is. You know, my wife, her granddad come here in '62 from Nebraska. And what was he his was name? Bill Howe. Oh, okay. okay. Yep. And so he run, took over from Frank Banks and I think it was 72, 73, managing the ranch. And he managed the ranch from that time up until 1990. And then his son took over, Vic Howe, and he managed it up until last year when he passed away with lung cancer. And then I married Vic's youngest daughter. And so it's kind of stayed in the family. Yeah. So I'm a third generation raised on the ranch, and she's a third generation raised on the ranch. And now you guys can yeah. raise your kids Now here. we got fourth <laughs> generations nice. raised on Babbitt. So it's, it's a lot of history between the Howells and the Rogers. and Yeah, for sure. Was it um, Was it always a goal that you guys had to raise your kids here and to raise them up in this kind of lifestyle? Um, yeah, it was mine. If I was to have kids, they would definitely be raised on a ranch somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, do you mind telling us just a little bit more about the kind of cattle that you run, why you run those kind, and a little bit more about your operation? So, so we run um, straight Hereford, horned Hereford cows. Been running them for, I think, over... 60, 70 years, probably even further back than that. Um, we feel like, I feel like I like the Hereford cow because they are a good drafty type of cow. They definitely um, take care of themselves, but we'll have a calf every year. And there's, a, there's just something to say history-wise when a ranch says he's got horned Herefords and Everybody's turning the black. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You're just like wow. And a lot of a lot of the old timers will tell you that Arizona at one time was all horned Hereford cows from New Mexico plumb to the Utah border. Really? Yeah, and then they all they got out of them, and so it it's kind of neat, Babbitts. And I like them. We trail a lot of cattle. We'll trail them from here at Spiderweb, and um starting in the spring and wind up almost plumbed I-40 around the mountain. So when you got horn cattle, it's nice to trail horn cattle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they'll they'll uh, separate themselves and string out a string little bit. String out a little better and walk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Always said when you took the horns off of a cow, you lost half their brains. <laughs> yeah. <Huh>. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, that's the cows. And then the operation, it's been, it's probably been ran the same since Frank Banks' time in the 50s. We have winter country that's down here at Spiderweb that we winter the cows. And then as May rolls around, we start moving them west up onto the forest allotments, which is about 30 miles to 45 miles. Trail them across there and just by the middle of June, you're up in the you go from 5,000 feet to about 8,000 feet. So, yeah, it's 
pretty much. And then the cataract side of the ranch, it's it doesn't have any force. It's state and private. And so we don't do a lot of rotating. The cattle's pretty much stay in the same country year-round. Nice. Yeah. How far is it from one end of the ranch to the other? Well, from here at Spiderweb to the furthest camp, I believe it's 80 miles. A continuous 80 miles? Well, you've or... got, you've got um, a few ranches in between us. Oh, okay. You'll hit 64 Highway, and there's two, two ranches that sit right between us. And then we start again, and then we go all the way to the Boquillas Ranch to the west. It's a lot of country. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think it's seven, 750,000 acres, all the other between state, private, and forest. What would you say the hardest part about running cattle out here is? The droughts. The hardest part is learning how to... Um, Make sure you're saving your country good enough that you can get through a drought every year. You know, just go through three droughts, three years in a row having a drought. <laughs> a lot of people, is, <laughs> it sunk a lot of ranches. And Babbitts was able to hang on and move, just kept moving the cows. You could see grass get a little short, so you go to the next pasture and just kept moving them. And, yeah, just that's the hardest part on the ranching is. Is this the worst one that you've seen this year? It's the longest. Yep. There was a drought in 2000 that was um, pretty bad, but it wasn't very long. It was about a year and a half, no rain, and we survived. But this one would be the worst. This is the first time in Babbitt's history they had to buy water to haul their cattle. You had to buy it. I had to buy it out of 2CN, out of the reclaimed plant. Wow. And haul it for a year. Bought water for a year. How far did you have to haul it? Um, Mileage-wise, it wasn't far, but you only had about five miles of pavement, and then it was dirt road. So one water haul was about roughly two and a half hours, three hours round Gosh. trip. So. You get two loads hauled in a day. <laughs> you feel like you accomplished. And we, we run the water trucks five to six days a week for a year and a half just trying to keep what little cows we had. Are you still doing that? Or no, we finally good. got good rains in July and filled up all the tanks on that side. So Good. Yeah. We don't, couldn't, have, couldn't have made it past September if we would have had to keep buying water. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought you'd have to buy water? Exactly. Yeah. Sure. Um, on the flip side of that, what would you say the best part about running cattle where you do is? The variety of country is the probably the best part of this running cattle here. Just because you have the opportunity to get in lower lower elevation, and you don't have to you have to supplement them a little bit, but not a lot if you can get enough rain year before. And then you also have the mountain, the mountain grasses. And then on the cataract side is um, probably kind of biased, but the best, they always say, Harvey Howe used to tell me that the cataract plains is probably the best ranch he's ever seen in his life due to the type of grasses that it has. Really? 
Yeah, yearling steer, yearling calf in the summertime can, on grass alone, can gain two to two and a half pounds a day. And so it's just phenomenal country. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of grasses are out there? We got, on the CO side, we got mainly Sacatone and Gaiata on this. And then the further west you go, you get into Blue Grandma, Black Grandma. And then you get on the cataract side of the ranch, and it's all grandma grasses. So from blue to black to, yeah. Yeah. Who have you looked up to as a role model in the industry? There's quite a few. I always looked up to my dad just because he raised me in this lifestyle, and I admire him for doing that. And then I, I always, always really looked up to Bill. How, and then the Vic, my father-in-law. Just um, Bill and Vic was amazing how, Vic especially, Vic was amazing how he could plan out work, and most guys would look at it and think, holy cow, he's trying to get two weeks done in three days. <laughs> and you get it done in three days, and you didn't feel like you worked that hard, but just how he could manage his time and I always thought that was really, really neat trait to have. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any memories of working with your dad or with Vic that stand out to you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one memory is we was down with my dad. We was down on a little Colorado River. And the first time I ever tied off and roping wild cows, so I'd have been about 12 and he's always telling me all day long, he says, now you realize you're tied off. This is like a loaded gun. You could kill yourself at any time. So he had me nervous. <laughs> so I finally, I caught a cow. It would have been a babbit cow down there. And I was so excited that I got it caught. And I let my horse step over the rope. Oh, no. And then I'm thinking to myself, then I go to panicking. <laughs> but, because I just knew I'd die. I did. <laughs> Dad said I did. And he comes running up behind me and starts yelling at me to keep going, keep going, and finally get him back on the right side and get the cow jerked down and tied it. But that is pretty, that is a good experience for me. Kind of grew me up fast and to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. And then Vic, fond of memories, Vic and I, we would go roping together all the time. And he's, I'd tell him, we'd rope here at Spider, and we'd rope good together, and then we'd go to a rope, and I'd miss for him. And I'd tell him, shoot, Vic, you might as well get somebody else to rope with. I can't catch for you. And he's like, no, no, I'm happy just rope with you. And so that was a good memory to have. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, we would always go, go rope together twice, two to three times a year. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Have you been able to, have any of your boys been able to catch anything with you yet, or are they still too young? Yeah, my oldest, oldest boy, he's 14. He's he's pretty good hand. He went and um, doctored your lens this winter with Everett Ashurst. And so, yeah, that was, that was good. And then my daughter, she's, 12, she can, she went and helped Dr. Yearlings and her and Everett Asher's daughter, they, 
they would get one roped and get it down and <laughs> check the temperature and get it doctored. And so yeah, the younger, my younger two boys, they're they're always wanting to chase something and rope it, but they can't come together quite yet. But they they sure try. Yeah. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. For sure. I always like to ask people why they do what they do. You know, I've always, Harvey told me something when I was a kid and I never realized it until I got older. He says, this is the only occupation that I can do what I love and I love what I do and I've never worked a day in my life. And so I was thinking to myself, that don't make sense. I mean, you get up at (laughs) 6, you go to work at 6 in the wintertime and it's dark and it's cold and you're breaking ice. And in the summertime, you're leaving at four in the morning and you're getting home at eight at night. I think, that is work. And then I got older and I got to realizing what it really means when you love what you do for a living and you love your job, it's really not work. And so that's what I'd have to say, that I love what I do and I do what I love and I never work a day in my life. And you look forward to getting <laughs> up to do it. I look forward to getting up every day, even the hard days. You know, you, you'll have a hard day, nothing goes right, cows run off, the drive gets lost, the, um, somebody gets hurt, and you're thinking to yourself, this is a horrible day. And then later on, he's like, shoot, I can't wait, go back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. See, see if we can't fix everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, in the summertime, we'll work. We'll work till about five or six, and then we'll take the kids down to the arena and rope till it gets dark, and then start over again the next day. Can't wait for it. Can't wait wait to start over. That concludes part one of my interview with Clay Rogers. Stay tuned for part two coming out in two weeks. And if you like what you're listening to, please leave us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And just like always, to put a face behind the name to the people we've been visiting with, you can check out our Instagram page. Our Instagram is at cowboystories underscore podcast. And one last thing before I let you guys go, we um, are an affiliate partnership with Grip Clean. If you haven't heard of them, check out their website. It's gripclean.com. Um, Their soap is all-natural based, dirt-infused, and it works really well to get anything off of your hands. So check them out at gripclean.com and use code COWBOY10 for a discount on your order. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) 